Welcome everybody to Victory Church today, April 12, 2020, Resurrection Day. Thank you, Lord Jesus, you are alive. Our worship service number 185. It's a pleasure to be here with you all, guys, and for our viewers. Thank you so much for watching and connecting. Dear Lord, thank you for your love, your mercy, your provision, your kindness, your generosity, Lord. We love you. Thank you, Father, that you give us everything we need. And we worship you today, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Receive the songs, Lord, that Tracy has prepared for us today. In Jesus' name.
Aleluia.
let's worship our Lord through our offerings. Whether it is through an envelope here in church or online. Let's give to God what belongs to Him. Thank you, Lord, for all your provision. We love you, Lord. It's because of your goodness, Father, because of your kindness. You saved us. Oh, Lord, in this resurrection day, Lord, so different than all the Easter's before, Lord, that we have lived. Never before, Lord, we lived something like this. Father, this is totally new to us, Lord. But nothing has changed in our situation, in our relationship, Lord. You keep loving us and helping us. We, Lord, are facing the difficulties of this crisis. And we need you, Lord. We are here, Father, so desperate for your help. We are so desperate to see you moving in our lives, Lord. And we believe, Lord, that you will do it again. In the name of Jesus, Lord, please help us today, Lord. Help us, Father. Give us the faith right now, Lord. We lift up our hands to you, Lord. First of all, Lord, we surrender. Whether it's here, present in the church, or watching, it doesn't matter, Lord. We lift up our hands to you. We bow down before you and we say to you, I'm sorry, Lord, I have failed you. I have failed to you, Lord. I have failed in my faith, in my, in my loyalty to you, Lord. I have failed to you in many areas, Lord. But you have been faithful, Lord. You have not changed one bit, Lord. You keep being good with us. That's why we sing about the goodness of you, Lord. Your goodness is running after after us, Lord. Your goodness is running after us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit right now, Lord. Please, Lord, pour down more of your presence in our, into our hearts right now, Lord. Please, Lord, right now we need you, Lord. Fill our hearts with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Fill our hearts with your presence. Father, gives us the strength that we need in our bodies to do the job and the work that we have to do, Lord. Please, Father, give us the healing we need. Give us, Father, the courage. Give us the strength. In the name of Jesus, we are before you, Lord. And we receive from you, Lord, right now, that strength and that faith. In the name of Jesus, Lord. All my life, Lord, you have been faithful. 
All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. Yes, Lord. All my life you are being faithful. You have, Lord. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. I will sing of the goodness of God. I will sing of your goodness, Lord, all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. The time has come for us to receive God's word. We have praised him, adored him, and worshiped him. Now we will hear a powerful message that our Lord has poured down into our pastor's heart. Let's get ready to receive the inspiration that we need this week to go into battle with faith in our Lord Jesus. Let's give a hand to our Lord God and all together say, one, two, three, victory. Yay, Lord. It's a wonderful thing to be in the house of God with you guys. I enjoy very, very much being with you. And well, those who are here in church today, I thank you for coming up. I know that it's, it's a great thing to be in Resurrection Day in the house of God. And I am sure that you feel good about it. You know, you feel good about it because you are coming to worship God and you have, and now the Lord has something special for you. So you have your bulletins ready there. But also we want to invite to our viewers, please go to the website, bchurch.us, look for the tab bulletins and download your bulletin of this week. This is the worship service number 185 for April 12, 2020. How to live for Jesus is the topic of today. You know, today that we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, we think about what happened on Calvary. Sometimes, guys, when, when we think about it, we can feel sad, you know? I don't know if you have watched the movie uh, Jesus or Passion or Jesus Christ, the different titles that tell the story of uh, our Lord dying on Calvary. And uh, I don't know if you are aware of this, but with some of those movies that they were so... Uh, open to show the punishment that the Lord lived in some of those some of those movies you know what happened happened that people that watched those movies even had heart attacks I don't know if you know this but there were some uh, some cases with the movie The Passion that people died precisely by watching on the screen 
the scenes where the Lord Jesus was being crucified and beat up. Some, some people died because of that. It is, uh, when you think about the sacrificial death of our Lord Jesus Christ, you cannot just say, oh yeah, he died, you know. No, it's not just like that. You know, we, we get hurt. We doing some work, we can hurt one finger, you know. We can hurt one bone, our knee, our elbow, your ear, you know, something. And then you're hurting. And what happens after that? We just talk about it. And then the next day, we are sore. And we keep thinking about it. Man, that hurts. Well, you know what? If we feel that way, imagine exactly what is what the Lord Jesus lived. The price he paid on Calvary was really high. And now, besides the physical pain, you need to think of the emotional pain he lived. Because the good Lord needed to do justice there by punishing sin. And he chose the perfect Lamb of God to put all his anger into that death so he could be satisfied through the righteousness of God. Because the Lord God can't stand evil. The Lord God can't stand sin. He can't stand that. He has to punish that. That is why the Lord Jesus Christ needed to be the Lamb of God. So imagine after all the physical suffering of the Lord Jesus, when finally he is on the cross, after all the mocking and all the insults he was subject to, but now the time comes for the anger of God coming upon him to do what it, what it was needed, to punish sin in somebody. And when the, the power of that anger and the darkness came there upon the Lord Jesus Christ, his suffering, his emotional and psychological suffering, it is indescribable. But most of us don't think about it. Some of us think about it. And especially in, the, in a season like this, you know, when it's Easter. We think about the Lord. We think about his sufferings. And, and you tell me when you, don't, when you are watching those movies, you tell me if you don't cry. You are, you are watching those scenes when they, they hit him. And they start pulling his beard with their hands. Hitting him with, with sticks on the head. The crown, crown of thorns in his head. Blood everywhere. And then they, they use all those kind of tortures against the Lord Jesus Christ. When you are watching those movies, you just can't help yourself. You cry. And you just think, I, I want this to pass. I want this to end. I want to go to the next scene because this is just too much for me. You know, we, we all feel that way and we all cry. You know, somehow it's good that, that we cry. Somehow it's good that we are aware of his pain and his sacrificial death. So maybe then we can appreciate more and more what he has done for us. Because he has done all that for you. And not just life and forgiveness through Calvary, but also then the abundant life that he is offering today to us. 
So after the tears, after the sorrow, after, after all the emotionalism that this brings, we all are like, oh, yeah, thank you, Jesus. You did it. But you know what is sad? After all of us cry and say the prayers and we all are thankful that we are saved, we go and continue living our lives the way that we want to live. That is the saddest part of this history. The saddest part of the gospel, my friend, is not not the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. The saddest part of the gospel is that after being saved ourselves, we just say, thank you, God, for giving me this. Thank you for giving me that. I hope you will give me this other thing. But now, leave me alone, because I want to live my life the way that I want to live my life. That is the saddest part of the gospel. It's not the death of the Lord Jesus Christ that is sad. It is actually the way that we live. That is sad. Because you know exactly what I am talking about. Here we are. We are washed. And for our sins, we are washed white. And now we run to get involved again in the same things with the mud. And that is just unbelievable. But it's exactly what happens. So when we think about if the Lord Jesus Christ lived for me and died for me, this is a perfect question for today. How to live for Jesus? But let me ask you this direct question. Do you want to live for Jesus? What do you think? Do you really want to live for the Lord Jesus Christ? Let's explore this and see if you really want to live for the Lord Jesus or or not. So let me start by reading what the book of Acts says in the chapter 17, verse 28. He gives us the power to live to move and to be who we are. He is giving us a power, first of all, to be alive. Once we have that eternal life in ourselves, he wants us to move. So that is very important. If you are stuck in a position in life, in a place in life, in your Christian walk, and you are just not advancing, If you are doing exactly the same things you have done all your life and there is no improvement in your spirituality, you are not moving forward. But I want you to understand that the Lord is giving you through his spirit, not just eternal life, but the ability to move forward and to become who you really are. Some of you, my friends, are not living your life at the best that you can live it. Some of you have so much potential, but the potential is just dormant. Some of you, my friends, they are just those, those uh, gifts and talents and abilities to do things, they are just there, and you are just letting them sink there. And some of them, they are not being utilized. And that's not right, because he is giving you the power to live, to move, and to be who you are, really. I'm going to give you the four 
characteristics of somebody who really lives for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to dissect all this in the following minutes, but if you want to take notes about it, the first thing that you should do if you want to live for the Lord Jesus is, number one, you die to your flesh. Number two, you need to fix your eyes on the Lord Jesus. Number three, you need to walk with Jesus. And number four, your goal is to please Jesus. And if you didn't write this, don't worry about it. I'm going to explain these four things in the following minutes. Number one, how to die to your flesh. What is the meaning of dying to my flesh? Do I need a knife or something? Do I kill myself? Is that to die to your flesh? No. No, that is not to die to your flesh. Dying to your flesh meaning, number one, watch out. You do not consume substances. Whether it's alcohol or drugs, whether you are smoking those things or inhaling those things or they are pills that put you in Jupiter, dying to your flesh means you are not going to use any kind of substances that will affect your mind in that regard. And that is very different than prescription medicines that people need to take for other purposes. I want to make this very clear to you. There are people that for whatever electrical or whatever problems they have with their brains, they need certain medicines. That's different. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people that even are Christians, they like to continue drinking alcohol to get drunk and smoking what is wrong and inhaling what is wrong and taking pills what is wrong, everything in order to get high. Dying to your flesh means you have to stop that. Number one thing. Number two, it has to do with sex. Dying to your flesh, meaning the only place where you are allowed to have a pleasant relationship that is a sexual relationship with your spouse is in marriage. It's the only place that is allowed by the good Lord, and it has to be between men and women. Not the same gender. That's not biblical. It's against the, the scripture. Same thing if, if these sexual encounters are being done out of marriage. That, that won't be a good thing for you. Dying to your flesh is, okay, we are not married. We don't, we don't touch each other. Third thing, dying to your flesh means that you are not going to be stealing anything from anybody. What is the deal of people trying to steal money from others all the time? They go to their homes and they see something, they put it in their pocket. They go to this company and they steal this other. They are stealing staplers, a hammer, a pair of scissors. You know, what is this insatiable career of stealing things from others? Dying to your flesh means you are not going to steal anything, including what belongs to the Lord. Watch out for those who are not doing what is right with the part that belongs to the Lord. Not lying is the next thing in dying to your flesh. Who is the father of all lies? Satan. If you are lying, who is your father? You cannot say God is my father if you are lying. Some people just love to lie and lie. And it's just they, they live in this fantasy world. Dying to your flesh means, among other things, you're going to stop lying. And of course, my friends, 
Dying to your flesh means also that you are not going to be watching on TV, on your computer, on your devices, anything that is just wrong. You cannot just go to apps because they are apparently free and just watch stuff and people naked and saying things to each other. That, that's not right. Dying to your flesh means those things that I just mentioned. But there are three more things that I want to mention too. Is to stop being lazy, stop being afraid, and stop being angry. Those three things also are part of dying to your flesh. I want you to read with me what the Bible says about laziness. Listen, in Proverbs 24, verses 30 and 31, I walked past a field that belonged to a lazy man. Weeds are growing everywhere. Wild vines covered the ground and the wall around the vineyard was broken and falling down. You walk or you drive in neighborhoods and you can see the difference between the house of somebody that is lazy and the house of somebody that is not lazy. You walk in an apartment complex and you will see which apartment belongs to somebody that is lazy and which apartment is not a lazy person living there. Why? Because of the, all the mess. Dying to your flesh means that you will stop being lazy. Take good care of your stuff. Also, when it's about being afraid and always being in fear for this and fear for that, you have to stop that. Dying to your flesh is that you will say what 1 John 4, 18a says. Where God's love is, there is no fear. Because God's perfect love takes away fear. So in the middle of the night, you wake up and then you are frightened because whatever noise you hear, you will just say, Lord, where are you? Where are you, Father? Give me more of your love because right now I'm a little bit tense here. I'm nervous here. I hear these noises in the middle of the night and I'm by myself. Give me more of your love, Lord, so I can take away this fear. Dying to your flesh means you're not going to be afraid of anything. Also, dying to your flesh means that you are not going to be angry all the time. You know what is funny, friends? There are people, there are people that they wake up angry. Since they wake up, they are fighting with the pillow. They are hitting the pillow. I hate you. I hate you. They are fighting with the covers. And when they go to the bathroom, have you heard those arguments they have among the toothbrush and the toothpaste? Why are you doing this? I want you here. They are arguing with themselves because of the toothpaste, because of the water. Where is the towel? And that is just the five first minute of their day. Some people, they are just fighting all day long. It's like they have to be fighting. What is the deal? And they think that it's okay. No, it's not okay. It's not okay. It's not what God wants you to do. In fact, it's the opposite. You got to stop this being angry all the time for anything. If there is a fly, you are angry because of the fly. If it is hot, because it's hot. If it's cold, because it's hot. Always looking for a reason to be upset. That's not wise. You need to die to yourself by saying, I'm going to stop being angry for different things. Listen, James 1.20. If you are angry, you cannot do any of the good things that God wants done. 
If you are angry all the time, you cannot even process what you have to do. And as a result, you are not going to be productive. You are not going to accomplish anything that God wants done. You see? How to live for Jesus? It's a great question, right? In a resurrection day. I want to live for Jesus. What is the first thing, Gian? Do I need to wear these particular clothes? What kind of shoes a Christian person wears? Do I need to wear a special jacket? A sweater? A cup? Baseball cup? What is what I wear? What kind of purse the Lord Jesus approves? It has nothing to do with those things. The first thing is die to your flesh. Die to your flesh. Second thing, you need to fix your eyes on Jesus. You know, when you are reading the scripture, like now, for instance, that you are reading some passages, you are hearing the explanation of the scripture, you know what happens? Those words, that message, is being transformed into yourself, into faith. It's a miracle. That is a miracle that the Lord does in your life. You hear the preaching, and the preaching is being transformed into faith. And when you have that faith, and you keep going with those spiritual thoughts, then is when you can be fixing your eyes on the Lord and keeping your eyes on the Lord. But here's the problem with many Christians. They go to the service, they go to the video, they watch, they get the faith, they get the enthusiasm, they are encouraged to do that. But suddenly they stop putting their eyes on Jesus. They put their eyes on whatever they want. They forget about the Lord Jesus. And as a result of that, they failed. I want to tell you an interesting story that happened to me a couple of weeks ago. One of my friends plays an instrument, plays the guitar. He was invited to be in a concert, Christian concert. For some reason, his guitar was not plugged properly. The microphone was making a noise. The whole recording. I'm talking about several instruments in that band. And his guitar. Every time, every single moment, while he was playing and the rest of the guys playing, piano, drums, trumpets, violins, singers, all the instruments and his guitar. The sound system people, they tried to fix it. They couldn't fix it during the, during the performance. It was afterwards that they told him. They said, hey, buddy, we want to tell you that something happened with your guitar and this and this happened. My friend felt awful. So we, we had a conversation about it. And I said this to him. Nothing in life is perfect. What you just live is exactly what everybody lives once in a while. Once in a while, you are going to burn the clothes to your iron. Once in a while, you are going to break a bulb light. Once in a while, you are going to mess up the food. Once in a while, you are going to hit your car against a wall. Once in a while, you are going to do something wrong. It's part of life to be imperfect. But the problem is, when you take that mistake of yours, listen carefully, please. The problem is, you take that mistake of yours, and you enhance that mistake of yours, and you allow the devil attacking your mind that you put that mistake, that error, out of perspective, out of proportion. And suddenly it's so big that you see yourself so little 
and it's stupid. You cannot do that. It's the opposite. You need to see the reality of your errors and your mistakes. Like I said to my friend, listen, there are many, many other concerts where you will be. You will be performing many, many more times. You will get it right. And your people need to work with you and do a better rehearsal in order, in order to do this better. Because it's not funny that you are going to be burning clothes every time you are ironing. It's not funny that you will be messing up the recipe every single time you cook. It's not funny that you will be hitting your cart every time you go out. No, you have to learn from your mistakes, of course. But you're not going to be beating up yourself all the time, just hit after hit. Oh, I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. How stupid I am. How stupid I am. You cannot do that. You need to see it in perspective. When you fix your eyes on the Lord Jesus, everything changes. Everything can change. It's the battle of your mind. And that battle is a personal battle. Living for the Lord Jesus means, number one, you die to your flesh. And number two, you fix your eyes on the Lord Jesus. You just say, Lord, what I did was wrong. I didn't do it right. I want to do it better. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. You need to be confident in the Lord. Now read with me John 12, 31. This passage is exactly when the Lord Jesus is in Jerusalem and is about to go to Calvary in the following days. He is about to go to die. Are you with me? The Lord Jesus is about to go to die. Then is when he says this. Now. When is now? When the Lord Jesus says now, when is that now? That now is now in 2020? Or it was in 1973? Or when he says now means then, in that very moment. Now, he says, in that very moment, now, that I am about to go to Calvary, you see that now? Now is the time for the world to be judged. Because the justice of God was about to come on Calvary Basically, the justice of God will come through the sacrificial death of our Lord Jesus Christ. So now is the time for the world to be judged. But also says, now the ruler of this world will be thrown out. A lot of people don't see that part. And you got to see it, my friend. The ruler of this world, which is Satan, and a temporary permission that he had, to rule the world. He was thrown out the moment the Lord Jesus died. He is confined to his cell in hell. He is confined there and he is not allowed to go and do whatever he wants. He can't do that. Therefore, when you are living for the Lord Jesus, you die to yourself and you fix your eyes on the Lord and you put that bug in its own place. And every time that liar comes to tell you, but you are not good enough. You are not smart enough. You don't have this. You don't have that. Every time you hear those voices, you just say, the devil was thrown out. And just step on the floor and say, out of here. Out of here. You have no part of me. Right, Lord? Right, Lord? 
Isn't it true, Father, that you are in control of the whole universe? Isn't it true, Father, that you throw him out to, to hell? Isn't it true, Lord? Yes, he says. So he has no business with you. So think about your mistakes. Think about your weaknesses. When you have poor self-image, poor self-confidence, just fix your eyes on the Lord Jesus. Because it's not about you. It's about him, what he has done. That is how you can be confident in the Lord. The third thing, when you live for the Lord Jesus, you walk with the Lord Jesus. You walk with him. And the meaning of this is two things. You plan your work. What are the things that you have to do, my friend? Do you have a list of things to do? Or do you keep all here in your head? Well, some people are that smart that they, they don't need the schedule. They have it here in the head. And they do it. Unfortunately, not everybody is that smart. Not all of us can do that, right? I'm going to plan what I'm going to do. I have everything here. And I have all so well organized, I don't need to put it down. I don't need to write it down. I know exactly what I'm about to do. Well, that is fantastic if you can do that. But most people can't do that. Most people like us, average people, we need to write down all the things that we got to do. To begin with your grocery list. Imagine you go to the grocery store without writing what is what you need. Especially in these days. We are in the grocery store before 7 a.m. because we don't want to make these long lines. And here we are. We go. We get there. And you have to cover yourself and the masks and the gloves and all that thing. You go to the store. You buy what you think you need because you are so smart, right? You don't need to write it down. And then you leave the store. You are in the car and then you think, hey, shoot, I forgot this and that. How come I'm so smart? How come I forgot? Well, not a problem. I can go back to the store. Sure, look at the line. You're going to do another two hours waiting there? I don't think so. Same thing happens with everything in our lives. What is what you have to do, my friend? Write it down. Plan your work. What are the things you need to do? Listen, I'm not asking you to write my plan. I'm asking you to write your plan. Write it down. I need to do this. 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 You walk with Jesus. Lord, what is priority in this list of things? And once the Lord is giving you clarity and you are certain about the, the steps, what comes first, then you work the plan. Work your plan. You will see great success in that. And step number four, if you want to live for the Lord Jesus, your goal is to please him. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God, the scripture says. Hebrews. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Here is people that are so intellectual, so well organized, and they are so careful about all the things, and they think they are pleasing God with that kind of life, but there is no faith. If you don't have any faith, you are not pleasing God. It doesn't matter how well organized you are, my friend. 
It doesn't matter how wonderful your life is, apparently. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Do you remember the story of those two guys that came to ask for things in the temple, in the synagogue, the Lord Jesus said? And here's one on his knees, hitting his chest. Lord, I have done so many bad things. Please forgive me. I need your forgiveness. And on the other hand, you have this other guy, the rich guy. And he says, thank you, God, that I can do many wonderful things for you and for my family. I'm not like this guy. You know, I give you stuff, Lord, not like this guy. This guy is broke. You know that, Lord? He's broke. Broke, broke, broke. He has nothing to offer you, Lord. The Lord Jesus says, who do you think was justified in the eyes of God? The first one who was begging for forgiveness or the second one who felt so confident on his own behavior? The Lord Jesus said, the one that acknowledged that needed God. Living for Jesus means that. You keep your faith by putting yourself in the right position. You are not better than anybody else. I'm sorry, but you are not the great potato. You are not. And anyone who feels that is so great, it's just a matter of time. You will live one experience that you will, the Lord will show you how little you are. Because nobody has the right to feel better than the rest. I'm better than the rest. Because I do this, or I have this, or I whatever. No. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, to please Jesus. See, if that is your goal, you need to keep your faith. And in your faith, you see God as the source of all blessings, your Savior, your Redeemer, your Provider, your Healer, your Protector, the one who will rescue you. And as a result of that, you will do everything for Him. When you cook, you cook for him. When you clean your house, you do it for him. When you are helping somebody with a flat tire, you will do it for him. When you are coming to the church and do this job and this other job, you do it for him. When you are in your workplace doing whatever work they ask you to do, you will do it for him. When you are with your family members and you see how everyone is just taking advantage of you, you just do everything for him. Period. Period. You can help others. There are people that they are just entitled. They just love to be served. They don't like to do anything. Just give me. Bring me this. Give me that. You can help that. You can change them. But if you have the right attitude, you do everything for him. Your life is different. You are living for Jesus. And then you let your light shine. All that love of God in your heart let it shine. People will say, wow, that guy is really special. You know, he's doing this in the company. This, he's doing this in his family. You know, he's so kind to everybody. He is doing this. She is phenomenal. She is so gracious with everyone. She's so forgiving. She's so considerate to everybody. She is doing those great things. And you will say, well, thank you. Let your light shine. 
And if you are good at something, you are good at something. The Lord gave you that gift. You're going to do it. This week, something so appropriate for this illustration happened to Tracy and I in our home. Our dear, our dear friend, Dan Florence, came. We were discussing some things, and we are outside in front of the house. There is a tree, a beautiful Japanese blossom, Japanese something tree, whatever. And I said, I love this tree. You know, it's the one with the red leaves. So pretty. And Dan said, we need to trim this one. And he got the the clippers. I went inside of the house. And he just goes, I went inside for one, two minutes. I came back. When I came back, the tree looked already beautiful. It looked so beautiful. And I just looked at that and I said, wow, when someone knows to do something, somebody really knows to do it. Let your light shine. If you are good to do certain things, you are good to do certain things. And who gave you that intelligence? The Lord? Well, let your light shine. Here we go. I can do this. I'll do it. Now, that thing, I cannot do it. I won't do it. I don't know how to do it. But whatever you can do, excuse me, when you don't break the remote or anything, whatever you do, keep your faith, do it for the Lord, and let the light of the Lord shine. Read with me in Acts 17, 26. God began by making one man, and from him he made all the different people who lived everywhere in the Lord. Now listen to this part. He decided exactly, exactly when and where they would live. Nobody is here in 2020 alive where we are by accident. Listen to this part. All of us come from God. And he says, he decided exactly when and where they would live. He had a reason why we are here in these days in this part of the world. Chapter 17, verse 17, 27. God wanted people to look for him. And perhaps in searching all around for him, they will find him. But he is not far from any of us. So the whole desire of the Lord is that wherever we are, whatever is going on around us, that we can find him. And he is not far away from any of us. He gives us the power to live, to move, and to be who we are. To live for Jesus. After all, we all come from God. Chapter 17, verses 30. Now, God is telling everyone in the world, what? To change and to turn to him. That is what he is expecting us, my friends. To change and to turn to him. He has decided on a day when he will judge all the people in the world and he, in a way that is fair. It's, it's so fair. Watch this. Here's the Lord Jesus on the cross dying. And God says this. Guys, all my anger, all my disappointment, I am going to put all that upon Jesus, my son, so he will die and pay the price for your salvation. So I am satisfied. In my righteousness, I cannot 
bring you into my kingdom because you are filthy. You are sinful. But through that death, through that blood, I'm satisfied. So your, your sins are washed away. Are you following? Your sins are washed away so you can come to me. And that is fair. It's fair with me, the Lord says. You trust in Jesus. You give your life to Jesus. You live for Jesus. You are forgiven by Jesus. It's fine with me. It's fair. You can come to my kingdom and enjoy everything I have for you. That is fair. What do you think about that? Isn't it beautiful? It's beautiful. Now, I want you to see the other side of the coin. Here's God. And he says, here is Jesus, my son, dying for you all, etc. But if you don't want to believe in him, if you don't want to trust him, if you don't want to follow him, if you don't want to have anything to do with Jesus, I'm okay with that too. It's fine with me. But it's also fair that you end up in hell. How about that? For a fair God. It's fair, he says. You trust in Jesus? You put all your hope in Jesus? Through his blood you are forgiven? It's fair. You come to my kingdom. But if you don't want to have anything to do with Jesus, are you listening, my friend? If you can't stand Jesus, if you just don't care about Jesus, if you don't believe in Jesus, if you don't think that the Lord Jesus Christ can save you, that's fine. But the Lord God says, but it's fair then that you will go to hell. Either way, it's fair. So what is going to be in your life? You make that call. Because as far as I'm concerned... The Lord already gave you life. He already provided the Savior of the world. The Holy Spirit keeps moving around. The Bible is printed and released everywhere in different languages. Preachers are all over the place. And now you are hearing this preaching one more time. As far as I'm concerned, the Lord says, I have done what I needed to do. My son, my spirit, my ministers, they're doing what they needed to do. So the ball is in your court. So what is going to be? You're going to take that sacrificial debt and say, I want that umbrella. I want to be covered by that umbrella. The Lord says, that's fair with me. Welcome to my kingdom. But if you say, nah, I'll pass. You know, I really don't care. The Lord says, that's fine with me. Fair enough. You go to hell. You reject my son? You have the audacity to speak against him? Do you have the audacity to insult my ministers? Do you have the audacity to mock my word? Fine. It's your free will. But I'm going to do what is fair. There you go. Romans chapter 14, verse 8, it says, If we live, what? We are living for the Lord. But if we die, 
we die for the Lord. So living or dying, we belong to the Lord. Either way. So the Lord decided when and where we will live. Now, here in Odessa or wherever you are watching, the Lord knows where you are. He wants to give you salvation. It's up to you what you're going to do with that. One way or other, we belong to the Lord. Next Sunday on April 19, in worship service number 186, I want to share with you a message. You know what is the title? How to get my joy back in this season. How to get my joy back in this season. I hope you will be here. If you want to give your life to the Lord God, today is the perfect opportunity. This is Resurrection Day, my friend. It's time for you to resurrect and come back to life, reunite with the good Lord, and be part again of the family of God. Open your heart. Say with me this prayer. It's in the screen. Simple. Dear God, please forgive me for all my sins. I open my heart to you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I want to obey you and trust you and serve you forever, my Lord. My life needs to be different. I want to commit to you. I need to learn how to redirect my mind to you all the time. Please help me, Lord. If you pray with all your heart this prayer, He will help you and forgive you and restore you. So now join me in this final statement. I am forgiven and saved by faith. Therefore, I can also declare my life is going to be great and blessed this year, 2020. Friends, thank you so much for coming up today to church. And my viewers and listeners, you are blessed in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. May the peace of God be with you. Enjoy your family and friends. And see you next week. Anytime a heart turns from darkness to light. Anytime temptation comes and someone stands to fight. Anytime somebody lives to serve and not be served. I know, I know, I know, I know. watching Victory Church. We hope you enjoyed the video.